Got Your Ears On is brought to you by Tactical Legion Knives. Live from the campus of Top Radio, under the direction of Guido, Scoot, and Johnson, it's the pride of podcasting. It's Got Your Ears On. All right, everybody. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Got Your Ears On. Guido along with Scoot. Yo! And Johnson. Uh, not as much to unpack this week, Guido. Definitely not as much to unpack. We still have things to- Just a weekend trip. Yes. Yeah, no, it's a, yeah, right. It's a little It's a little one. It's, a, it's, a, it's easy. Day trip. Yeah, we still have things to talk about. There's a lot to talk about, but not as much as- our marathon show that we had last week. Thank you to all the people who actually made it through the whole show. Uh, probably all four of you that did. I mean, it was long. It was a long episode. And Brent. And Brent. Thanks for Brent for being on for half of it. So, so guys, we really need to stop beating around the bush and just talk about what we have to talk about here. A Texas loss in Morgantown at the Coliseum. Yeah, that WVU. was a gut punch, Guido. It was a I gut mean, punch. There are losses... And then there are these losses. So I, I don't even know where to start. I mean, I kind of want to start at the end, and I want to start with, you know, that rebound and Emmett not dribbling it out and Emmett not, um, you know, or passing it out or whatever. But I, I'm going to preface all of that by saying, which I think is how everybody felt. Like, why why did you why did you try to go back up with it? Why didn't you try to run the clock out more? It was a rebound, the clock re- shot clock reset. I will say that, you know, a lot – the good thing is is Huggins immediately after the game and then Cody Nesper wrote an article for WV Sports Now and wrote he wrote a great article talking about how all of the te- all of his teammates have come out either on Twitter or the social medias or even in post-game interviews coming to his, his defense um, about how great – not only how great he played in that game if, and if, you know, Emmett hadn't had a great game, they probably wouldn't have been in the game to begin with. Uh, but in how that is a hard situation to begin with. What was your take on it, Scooty? Well, I, I'm not as worried about um, the play at the end. I know they say you know one play doesn't make the game, and certainly doesn't doesn't uh, help the outcome in this situation. But uh, our biggest issue for me was the lack of interior defense when it came to uh, Texas being able to drive the ball. Um, I forget it was probably within five minutes of the, till the end of the, the game. And for what I feel like they were showing a replay and then when they were done showing the replay, they cut back and Matt Coleman had driven to the basket untouched and kind of, it was almost one of those things where I couldn't tell if it was part of another replay or if it was actually live footage. I didn't know what was going on, but I was like, wait a minute. Nobody even stopped him. Nobody even slowed him down. They had too many of those types of drives um, that are a cause of concern for me. Now, maybe it's because the focus has been, hey, we've got to really clamp down on the perimeter, and and so we're we're taking taking that away, but that's left some uh, holes, some seams to attack the basket. And then at the end, when you see that last play, uh, all five guys were in the paint, and that's what left Andrew Jones wide open. All five players crashed down on the drive where there probably needed to be some better communication. You know, hey, I'll, I'm going to be in the paint or I'll, you know, watch for the drive, but we've got to see where the shooters are too. And Andrew Jones, a McDonald's All American, who, you know, on the third end, I know they 
talked up the third anniversary of him having leukemia and good for him and that he's healthy, safe, and was able to battle back from all of that. But, you know, the guy is a good player. He's averaging probably all 13 points a game. Uh, and I'll say, I'll say, I'll say this though. And Johnson will agree with me. Like the moment, they got the ball back with whatever it was, eight seconds left, I think, or something like that. The moment they got the ball back, I said, I, tur- I turned to the, the person I was watching it with, and I said, it's over. This is done. Like, Texas is going to come down, and they're going to they're gonna take the lead. And it, yeah, it, and it, I I think, to, to me, too, I, I agree with what Scoot was saying. So I think I had made a note here in the show notes that I think at the first time out, it was like uh, – the first 11 points for Texas, it was like lob city earlier. So not only the straight line drives to the basket that you're talking about, Scoot, but also just the ease with which they were able to work it inside um, and get, and get baskets. And it wasn't really Jericho Sims who I think, you know, their big man, he, he only finished, I think with two points. I, I just think it was really anyone else that they could run into the paint they were having a lot of success. So that, that was bad. That was bad. Really the entire game, I thought. Um, and then Guido to switch gears to what you're talking about with, with, uh, Emmett Matthews, I think in the moment, um, what really stood out to me was not so much pulling it back out and trying to run more clock after you've gotten that second rebound, because, Oh, by the way, Emmett got, I had already gotten one rebound to keep that to keep that shot clock moving. But um, I think what, what got me was just compounding it with missing the one and one. Um, You know, I, I think you don't, people don't get on his case as much uh, even though I think, you know, you've kind of, you've pro if you're Emmett Matthews, you've programmed yourself your whole basketball life to be that aggressive. You know, he gets the rebound. It's, it's not hard for me to understand. He's going to go right back up with it. He's kind of programmed to do that. So I'm not going to kill him for that. Even though, you know, I was, texting with a few people after the game and you know everyone was like well you kind of have to know the situation and and i agree but at the same time you're you know you're kind of you're kind of programmed to go to be aggressive go right back up to me what compounded it was then you step to the line you miss those two foul shots and so guido to your point i think when that second foul shot i mean when that foul shot clanked off the rim and they got that rebound that's when i was like well here we go like my uh my inner wvu fan just kicked in and i was like oh boy i've seen this before totally and i mean and, and you and what's again to add to the frustration of it is emmett's a good free throw shooter i mean he's shooting like 80 something percent this no, year you're and... exactly right and right that was on the heels of i mean texas finished on a 7-0 run that was maddening just to begin with but Emmett's Emmett's miss was on the heels of Derek stepping to the line and and him missing the front end of a one and one. So it wasn't like we didn't have our opportunities to to close this out. I think that's what made it so frustrating. Is it me or does Texas seem to recruit two types of players? Either the Kevin Durant shaped person, maybe not so much always the skill of Kevin Durant, but you've got that tall, lanky, skinny skinny uh, 6'9 guy. They had Kevin Durant, Miles Turner, Jackson Hayes, now this Jericho Sims. It's like this carbon copy of the size guy. And then the other type of player they recruit is TJ Ford. If you remember TJ Ford, like this scrawny, shrimpy little guard. Like they've got either, you're either a point guard sized guy, like a 6'1", 6' guy, maybe even smaller, or you're this 6'9 guy and there's nothing in between. There's never like, uh, I'm trying to think of uh, the last time Texas had a Thickums. 
Yeah, they I typically don't have yeah, too many. I thickums. can't think of one offhand, to be honest. I gotta uh, maybe think about Mo that. Bamba. Mo Bamba was kind of thicker, but he was still more like the Kevin Durant style sized guy. So I just, it's very odd to me. Also, very odd to me is Shaka Smart. I think he's doing, I think he's probably doing the <laughs> worst thing I've seen done. Uh, in college basketball with this hair growth this hairdo what in the world is going on like i understand now why he shaved it for so many years because it looks ridiculous i think he's living he's kind of living wild and free is that, i think he's it's like his COVID hair yeah what he's, it just, it's, he's just uh, letting the locks flow they talked up what i also don't like and i'll maybe i'm uh preaching to the choir here tim welsh as a analyst yes um yes i I mean, from his uh, like den. Yeah, from his laundry room. I think that compound. I'm just bringing that up because I think it compounds. Like, if you don't like the guy to begin with, well, then put him 600 miles away in his own house, and then. See and I don't he... know. I don't know what Hugs did to him, <laughs> but it feels like Hugs must have beat him badly every time they played because he didn't say too many things awfully complimentary of WVU, and. I hate to remind him, WVU is ranked. It's not like we're some sort of like bottom feeder. Right. You know, we're 14th in the country. And he's like, well, I can't believe they're just doing this. They're they're letting this happen. I can't believe they're they're letting Texas just do whatever they want. Like, okay, well, you could say some nice things about us. That would well, and here's okay. the thing that like boggles my mind about our ESPN games this season so far, which is, Whenever we've been on ESPN so far this season, it's been one of two things. It's been either them talking completely about the other team and not talking about WVU at all. So okay. it's been that was this last game. You've yeah. got the injured Gonzaga player hopping in the hopping in the uh, you know you've got Cade Cunningham, the next right. NBA superstar. You've right. got whatever it is, you know you, you know and, and like get, I get Andrew Jones went through a lot, but I mean you got that whole the whole game was all they talked about. Yeah, yeah. or it's the other two games. It's been. Oh, West Virginia's lost their big man. Oscar's gone. Oh, what's there? What are they going to do? You know, there's, there's no. I feel like there's been little talk about how good West Virginia is, and how good of a coach Huggins is, and how good this team can be. I also feel we are on some sort of weird double secret po- probation from Fran Fraschilla. Why can't we have him yeah. call a game? Well, come on. Well, I think. I think a little bit after what ha- we might be on some double secret probation after last week's Oscar What's stuff. The tampering, we'll, yeah, no. the tampering stuff. We might be. We'll come back. We'll come back to that later. Well, how much do you think? Too, um, Hugs brought up in the post game, Guido, that Kedrian Johnson hadn't practiced much this week because um, he had been battling the flu. The which I think they went into detail to say non COVID flu. Yeah, he I said it, he said it was non COVID that. Kedrian came to practices, but there were like one or two practices where he just like literally set up in the stands or whatever and just watched. Like, it just seems just, like, you know, you didn't see that same energy on defense, that same hustle. So I, I think there's something to that, too. That that was, you know, when you're already a bit shorthanded now with um, with Isaiah being out with uh, the Achilles and everything and Oscar leaving and now you're more all hands on deck that that was bad to not have him and have everyone at full strength, I guess. That's why I bring it up. When I think that they're they're fighting a lot of, you know, health issues, you know, the past couple of weeks with, you know, Isaiah being out and then you got whatever happened to Kedrin this week and then you've got Sean McNeil and this toe thing that's been going on for a couple of weeks with him, even though he had a pretty decent game Listen, with 14 points. I don't want to hear toe thing because toe thing 
to me, sounds like excuse as to why he doesn't play good defense. And I think the toe has nothing to do with his defense. Well, He's a great I, shooter. And I thought in this game he actually played a bit better defense than what we've seen. I thought, I thought it was a lot better. I thought – Texas spreads the floor more and they're way more active. So I, you know, to me, I, I know, cause I agree with you, Scoot, but I think in this particular game, I was actually happy with his, with his defense. Now my big takeaway wasn't the loss because I, you're going to play good teams. You're going to lose games We're I mean, we're, yeah, but, but here's the, but here's the thing, Scoot. And I get that, but like, and, and just to dive into it a little bit, we got to start winning these games. Like we'll, we'll be fine. We'll you be keep fine. saying that you, you keep saying I, that. Listen, but, when when does it matter? Does it matter now in January? No, but it matters to where it ma- it, ma- it matters starting now. Like if you want my honest opinion, it matters for the next 6 weeks. Like you have to play good the next 6 weeks if you want to have a good place to be in the in the tournament in in March Madness. Well, and say know. what you were what was your you were going to say your takeaway, Scoot? Well, uh, my big takeaway from this game was one how dominant Derek Culver is. Jericho Sims is not a slouch. He scored two points and fouled out. I mean, that he had, you know, I think he had uh, some ridiculous alley oop dunk. I think it was probably his two points. But Derek Culver, think about it. If you could think back to the game, how many times did he grab a rebound with one arm? Right. Probably three yes. or four to the point where I'm nervous that that's becoming a bad habit. I don't want him to do that every time because. There's going to be games where he needs to use both hands and go up with both hands. But he's he's grabbing rebounds one hand. Most of the time, like there were so many times where he went into the paint and the guy, I forget, I don't know, we'll call him scrawny, uh, what was his guy, number 30? I don't The white guy, <laughs> I don't know what his name is. What Cunningham. Was his name? Cunningham. Cunningham. He was four rows deep along the baseline on a drive by Derek Culver. I, I was laughing out loud saying to my wife, look at that guy trying to play defense on Derek Culver. He's behind the basket now because he's been bullied that far off the off the paint. Like, Derek Culver is a beast. He is, and a lot of those one-arm rebounds is because someone from Texas was trying to hang on his other shoulder so he wouldn't go and you know go get the ball right. so i he, think he just he just out muscles to your point everybody on the everybody on the court he is I, as dominant a big man as we've seen in in w at wvu and i think he's and we've had some good ones devin williams was decent um kevin jones was a good big man like but when i think of a guy that i know is going to score 15 points and probably have 15 rebounds, especially now that Oscar's not here. It's going to be Derek. I don't see him not having a double-double the rest of the way. Yeah, and I think of, right. speaking of scoring, I thought Tess Sherman had another great game. I think he led all scorers with 17, Guido. And for as hot as we were in the first half, that might be the other thing to just talk about really quickly, is I think for the second half we only shot, what, 29, like just a smidge over 29%, I think. And Correct, that, yeah. That just seemed to kill us down the stretch. I think if you – Combine that with just the the foul shooting late. I think overall we actually shot uh, from the free throw line okay, but I think the foul shooting late it just against a team like Texas it was just like a recipe for you could see it coming. And what about my boy Jordan McCabe? Maybe some of the best minutes he's played all season. Five five little minutes there, nice uh, three ball. He looked comfortable. Didn't look like he was forcing too much. 
It was a good little spurt by Jordan. I wonder how much that has to do with the fact that with Kedrian probably sitting out practices this week, he probably got some more practice time this week too. He, he well, probably did. And he, but Scoot, he don't you feel like when you watch him now, he seems to be playing with a bit more confidence. I, I don't know why yes. all of a sudden he would, but now I don't feel as. Um, unsure when he gets it's on the court. It's not as forced. Yeah, it doesn't feel as forced. That's a good word, yeah. I don't know if I, I want to give any scouting points out here, but he's also the master of, when he has the ball, pointing to a spot on the floor in an effort to get like the defender to think that that's where he's going to have a screen and then either go some other direction or whatever. But you watch him. When he has the ball, he'll point to a spot on the floor almost every time now. And, like, I don't know, like, I would say – three out of every 10 times somebody goes and sets a screen in that spot. I think he's just doing it to see if the defender will shift over and give him a space to, to dribble. But, um, no, I noticed that too. He, he probably has played a little bit better too, because I, I don't think he's a dummy. I think he sees some writing and he probably is saying to himself, okay, I've got to buckle down and focus. I've got to really figure out what coach Huggins wants me to do so that I can, try to tread water and not lose too many minutes to Kedrian who played a really great game two games ago. I was going to say, sometimes that is in the back of your mind, like, okay, enough of the the wow factor. I've just got to do my job. Yeah, I'm sure it is. I, I think someone who I thought kind of struggled again this game um, was Jalen Bridges. I, I thought late in the game he – I don't think he fouled out, did he? But I think he picked up four fouls. I think he was saddled with that fourth early in the second half. And I yeah. think this was another game where for as strong out of the gate, you know, if you think about that Oklahoma road trip, for as strong out of the gate as I thought Jalen was, I thought these, um, at least in this Texas game, it seemed like he, he struggled a little bit on defense. I think he only finished with two points. So it'd be nice to see him get back in the groove again. Well, And I got a feeling that Huggins said in the post game something along the lines of, we we have a couple of guys who decided to take today off or something something around that. And I, and I don't think it was just Jalen, but I have a feeling there was a couple of guys. I think JB was one. I think Gabe might have been one. The well, guys that just looked slow, looked out of it. You, you saw Senny Enjai in the game way more than we had in the previous couple games. So you might be onto something there with with possibly Gabe. Well, and being I one. thought he I thought he called Senny out though specifically in the post game. I think he made the comment Guido Senny wasn't ready. He did. And I think that that, and I think he, I think he felt like the at least the gist that you know listening to him talk about it that he felt like he was he felt like he was forcing Senny out there, and Senny's not ready to be out there, especially against the team, a team which like Texas in coach talk might be more of a slap at Gabe for look at what you're making me do. I have to force I'm forcing to play guys right. that aren't ready because you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I bet there's something to that too. Yeah. And and the other thing that I feel like again, and this is and Huggins called it out, but not not so much that he would have gotten in trouble with the Big Twelve, but Huggins called it out at the end of the game about how these officials are calling post play, you know, and how how it's a lack of consistency on how they're going to call the post play underneath with fouls. And there were a couple of times where, I mean, Derek Culver, and I get it. He's the biggest guy on the court. He's not, I mean, he's, he's tall, he's huge, and he could throw that weight around. And there's a couple of times where, I, I mean, I swear he'd go for a rebound and get fouled four times getting the rebound, you know? Yeah, and I, and I hate, think it just, to me, what I hate too is it's kind of like, 
you don't, they never reward that effort. So, you know, there's Derek just getting, getting beat up under the basket and the way he plays, he kind of invites that on. And I think the officials sort of get lulled to sleep of like, Oh, that's just the way this game goes. Not, Oh, I'm going to reward this guy for, he just got, you know, body blocked or something. And I'm, he had good position. I'm going to give him the benefit of that. He doesn't seem to get a whole lot of that. Well, and then there were a couple of times where back on the other end, you know, Matthews got called for one against Jericho Sims where I, I like I just think their jerseys brushed against each other. So, yeah. I mean, I think that's the problem that the consistency of calling that post play, those rebounding, you know, bodies up against each other, I think is is, is frustrating. Hugging. I know he had 12 points, but it felt like an I mean, he didn't play poorly. But it, it felt like kind of like an off game for Deuce McBride. I feel like his 12 points come at, came at weird spots. They weren't connected to some of the other guys. Um, I think there was one time where he had kind of his, what we've become really accustomed to, his prototypical, I don't know, what is that, a 12-foot jump shot that he, like, elbow-looking right. jump shot. Yeah, right. And I think he airballed it or he, he hit it off the, hit it long off the rim. So it was kind of an unusual – I mean, he's so money on those shots, typically. It kind of caught me off guard. Um, I think if we can get Taz, McNeil, Culver, and McBride all scoring, all working together. Well, I can see can't, – can't you see more of the – you know, I thought in this Texas game they were pretty liberal about shoving someone down on the block to help. You know, to me, I thought Derek – he's continuing to see more of these. He'll spin – and where maybe he would have had a free, you know, a free pivot. Now he's now he's pivoting into a double team and he's having to make a pass. Or I, I think we can expect more of that in this Baylor game where he's going to be seeing more, more and more people. So I guess what I'm saying is I, I'd like to see the shooting continue to be at a high level like it was in that first half against Texas because I think that helps open it up for Derek down low. So I think if we can get, if we can get 15 from a. Emmett Matthews or a Jalen Bridges, that could be the deciding factor. Those two guys, I think, as far as consistency, I think the other guys have been fairly consistent. To, I mean, they they are giving us kind of what we expect. But with Emmett Matthews and Jalen Bridges, I don't know one night to the next. You know, Jalen Bridges, 19 points. Last game, two points. You know, Emmett Matthews. Sometimes he's a 15 to 17 guy. Sometimes he's like an eight. Well, guys, sticking with basketball, something interesting to talk about here. Um, our former Mountaineer, Oscar Schwebe, has committed to going to a new school. And kind of surprised, Scoot was calling out that he thought it was going to be an Adidas school. But ends up being where? Kentucky, just across the border, going to go play for Coach Cal. I think something's weird there. I I. It's interesting. Coach Cal and Coach Huggins are close friends. It's just kind of interesting that this is where Oscar decides to go. Yeah, and I have to assume here, Scoot, that they talked. I mean, it seems inconceivable that, that they, Coach that, Cal wouldn't call him. Yeah, right. or vice versa. I mean, it just seems like that conversation had to have happened. It just seems inconceivable to me that that wouldn't have happened. So Huggins said this week, so there was an interview uh, on Friday with Tony Caridi, and Huggins said in that interview, you know, Tony said, well, why did Oscar leave? And Coach Huggins said, outside influences. And Tony pressed him a little bit on it. It was actually really interesting to watch. Tony, and, you know, I like Tony Caridi when he does stuff like this, because he did. He pressed him on it, and he said, well, what? Like, what? And... Huggins 
kind of played the safe card and said, well, I don't know, maybe it's people, money, whatever it might be. And I was just, it was really interesting, you know, now knowing where he's ending up and to hear what Huggins said and to know Huggins' relationship with Coach Cal, it's just so interesting. I, I'm curious as to whether or not this causes some ill feelings toward him. Maybe that, maybe it doesn't, but you know, if I, uh, let let me think back, like it it never happened, but when I coach soccer, if my best player were to go to, uh, another school where I know the coach and there's somewhat of a, I mean, we're not rivals per se with Kentucky, but it's not like he went to, um, Duquesne or Robert Morris or some other division one school. He went to, uh, you know, a blue blood, like big time program. And right. one that's not only in our backyard, but you know, uh, it stings a little bit for me and it'd have to be a weird feeling between Huggins and Cal, unless there was so much, uh, built up, you know, animosity between, between Bob Huggins and the staff and Oscar, Maybe it's just one of those. Hey, good, you know, good riddance. Good luck. Yeah. See you. See you later. Well, don't you don't you think it's interesting though that uh, you know I I don't know anything. Admittedly, I don't really know. I don't follow Kentucky. I don't know anything other about them this season other than they've had some non-Kentucky like struggles. I think their record. Right. You know, I, I know at one point they were like one and six. I think they've kind of righted the ship here lately. But don't you think it's interesting that I, I almost feel like. Oscar gets there and if if Kentucky is still having the caliber of players that we've come to know about Kentucky the way he's been playing lately does he start on that team is he seventh man or something I mean I just can't imagine if he if he's going there thinking this is my new home I immediately start I'm the man here too part of me is like maybe not so fast, right? I mean, he wasn't exactly hitting on all. I mean, yeah, you end with us on a good game against Northeastern, which is like playing, you know, the sixth graders at, you know, Richwood High or, you know, whatever, Richwood Middle or something. But I'm just saying, like, to me, you walk over there to that caliber of school, he's going to have to play a lot better, I would think, to get the same amount of minutes and exposure and, and playing time. Yeah, and here here's an interesting one, and, th- and this is a question that actually comes from uh, every West Virginia fan's favorite Twitter account to us uh voice west virginia just sent us a message and wanted us to think about this bob huggins has had three players drafted into the nba draft since the 13 seasons he's been coaching at wvu john calipari has had 38 players in the 10 seasons he's been at kentucky so if oscar wants to go to the nba professionally is this is this why he made this decision is kentucky the better place for him to be if NBA is the ultimate goal for yeah. So I mean, it sounds like a certainly a business business decision, and you certainly can't blame him for that. But I just think it still stings to me that in the middle of a season, you'd look at the rest of the players that you've been bleeding and sweating and working, you know, daily with for what couple seasons now, and go. And this is and this is where good luck. Yeah. And Scoot, this is where I'm going to get like super conspiracy theory est here is like so. Huggins says what he says, outside influences, money, maybe, something. Does somebody tell him, hey, listen, Oscar, you go, you leave the program, you go play one year at Kentucky, and because he left at a time that he'll get he'll get eligibility for next season. You play your one year at Kentucky, you 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 know, 
we've got your back. We'll make sure Coach Cal gets you playing time, and then you'll get drafted in the NBA, and then we'll be your agent, your sponsor, your whatever. I mean, that's very, very possible. What's funny to me is Kentucky's having a, a – I mean, they've won three games in a row here, their last three games. They had a win against Florida, uh, Vanderbilt, and Mississippi State, I believe. But they're four and six, which is un, unlike – you know, they were – they were one in six going into that three game stretch there. Right. That's a horrific. I think it was the first time since like 1920 or something that that had happened for a Kentucky team. The funny thing to me is Fran Fraschilla, who's uh, good friends probably with both Huggins and Calipari, tweeted out that Kentucky with this transfer gets older, which in mm-hmm. my mind. I mean, he's a sophomore. I wouldn't think that in my brain. I wouldn't yeah, think that you know a sophomore transferring makes you that much older. But I think Kentucky has some ridiculous number of freshmen. It's uh, they might start all freshmen, to be honest with you. I don't know, but it's it's such a the turnover at Kentucky is so rapid that uh, it's amazing what Calipari has done because he's got a different five. Every year, you never right. have. I mean, to see a senior at Kentucky, that's super rare. Yeah, and I'll be honest, at this rate, uh, Oscar might be a senior at Kentucky because he's not NBA material right now. Well, I just think to me, I, I was just thinking at the current level of play, and not, and you know, maybe he fits right in and it clicks and and great for him. I mean, I I, I also don't wish anything ill on him. I. I was just thinking when this all started to go down and now that we know it's Kentucky, I have a hard time thinking at his current level of play, he just hops right on the court and everything looks great and he gels and he So do you, you know, think do you think something was afoot this past summer when when Oscar wasn't working out or doing whatever? Do you think maybe he had some people talking in his ear about, you know, you could always transfer and I mean I and then as the season started out and he wasn't really doing much he thought, you know what? Let's let's do it. Let's pull the plug and let's go. Well, it sure seems like that. Yeah, and I mean, I think, and Brent kind of alluded to this last week a little bit. You know, um, is that I just I feel like tampering is so easy now with these kids and in the NCAA. Like compared to what it was, you know, in the '90s, even in the early 2000s, like for somebody somewhere to get their hands on him and say, Hey, listen, here's the decisions you need to make to make money down the road is so much easier than it was, you know, 20, 30 years ago. So, but don't you think too, I, I think what scoots maybe getting at, I don't know, scoot, but what I hear you saying is like, I almost feel like Oscar had the, a bit of an attitude, like, look, the rest of you guys kind of really need to work for this. I I don't really need to work for this. And my fallback plan is still to maybe transfer to a place that helps me even more. And so if I don't feel like working on it in the off season, yeah. maybe I don't. And and now I just go ahead and enact that plan where I transfer. I think you might be right, but what's maybe more disheartening for me and maybe you guys as well is, and it's all perception, right? Cause I don't know the guy. So obviously uh, I don't know. I'm sure uh herd hater is like, just heartsick over the whole thing because he and Oscar had kind of a what seemed to be a strange Twitter friendship. But anyway, <laughs> um, I just feel like with Oscar, he was a good guy. I feel like that was the 
the vibe everyone kind of seemed like he had a good heart seemed like a you know the stories that we were hearing from when he was a child where he would his dad would go hunting and he'd have to go collect right. the arrows and sometimes he would beat the arrow to the target or you know just like crazy like mythological stories about the 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 fable of oscar right like i don't i don't know what happened but something happened yeah, and, and that's why I hate don't don't you hate to now like vilify the guy because it seems like up to this point he had made a lot of connections with people around Morgantown and at the university. Yeah, he and, seemed you know, to people smile all well the time. Him. Yeah, I mean, right. So it, I hate to now suddenly boo hiss the guy, but it just seems like the weird. So that's why I have to think that it was maybe not only him but just other people in his, you know, camp, constantly in his ear trying to direct him around. Does this? dissuade wvu from recruiting mcdonald's all americans in the future i don't know i don't think i don't think it changes anything with the way huggins recruits i mean i just think that does it feel like this is why we can't have nice things <laughs> well <laughs> it, no, does, that may it does be feel like this is why yeah. we can't have nice i just feel like again it's a situation where i think that huggins is a good recruiter and the reason we don't get mcdonald's all americans is i'd love to know what the percentage is but I feel like a lot of those McDonald's all Americans are always one and done guys, you know? And I feel like, you know, I, I think, I don't think Oscar expected to be a one and done guy because I, he's only been playing basketball since for what, like since 2016. I mean, he's only been playing basketball like four years. Um, so I think for him, he wanted to come and learn something, but I think you realize that West Virginia is not that catapult to the NBA. Like some of the other teams are. And I think that's where, you know, a team like Kentucky is is much more appealing to somebody like him. And I'm sure somebody got in his ear and, and said that. So Well, I think it'll be interesting now, though. I, I feel like I will now really pay attention to what's going on over there. Now, I don't think oh, yeah. that makes Oscar immediately eligible. I think he's eligible next year, if I read the information Correct. correctly. Yeah, he so, can't play this year. But it'll be interesting to see how you know how that how that turns out if he does now put work into it um and and how he gels with that team practicing against him is going to help kentucky i mean just to have to work around a guy that size in practice you don't see that too often when you know you've got your starters going against the other guys you don't have some mcdonald's all-american who can't play who's six nine and you know 250 Yeah, and one right. one other thing too that I I think might be interesting. I mean, how many times have we run into Kentucky in the tournament? I mean, yeah, it would right. be interesting. It would be an interesting turn of events, you know, in, not this year, but maybe next year. You wind up in the tournament and you face him. That that would be another interesting thing. If it's a yeah. possibility, the selection committee will pair us. Yeah, maybe. So that's you know we'll follow that we'll see what happens but it, you know Oscar now committed to going to Kentucky. A couple of other things you know just a little house cleaning things we need to talk about. Uh, one is is Charlie Benton, former I think three or four star recruit, uh, been with the program for two years, the football program. Charlie Benton, a linebacker, has entered the transfer portal. He only had fourteen snaps uh, that last year, so it's kind of interesting to lose a linebacker who probably would have gotten some playing time next year. Uh, in the program, but <laughs> Scoot's like, whatever. Um, <laughs> but I think more importantly is to recognize that our friend Darius Stills has been named a consensus All-American. Yeah. Uh, 
So uh, Steve Slayton out there congratulating him on Twitter. That, yeah, was, that was awesome to that see. That was pretty cool, yeah. Uh, Steve was also a consensus All-American, if you don't remember that. So congratulations to Darius. Signed uh, with his uh, agent last week uh, and moving towards getting prepped for uh, Combine and the NFL Draft, which will be interesting because apparently the Combine is changing this year. They're going to do it differently than they've done in the past. Via Zoom. Um, Via Zoom, I guess I don't know. So I think I could um, do twenty-two reps uh, of what of, is it, two twenty-five via no, Zoom. Via, via Zoom. <laughs> via Zoom. With like, the weights are off like, the screen, yeah. and you're just like got the bar, <laughs> green screen, just Listen, green screen, just boom, boom, just if, knocking them out. If it's via Zoom, I'm going to the combine this year. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> or like when you do your forty, they'll just move the background really fast behind <laughs> you. Just like, this guy's fun. Johnson and I'll be back there like pulling a rope. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, it's good. It's going like that. It's good. It's like pretending to run. He ran We're a forty-two. A rope. Oh my gosh. <laughs> All right, well, listen, guys, let's take a quick break, and we're going to come back with Season 2 of Bluff the Fluff. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Got Your Ears On. Vortec Knives is a West Virginia-owned and operated company specializing in high-quality steel, fast-opening, everyday carrying knives. If you go to VortecKnives.com today and use the code G-Y-E-O, you get a 25% discount on your entire order. That's Vortec, V-O-R-T-E-K, Knives.com, a West Virginia-owned and operated company specializing in fast-opening, high-quality, everyday carry knives. Vortec Knives. It's Darius Stills. You're listening to You Got Your Ears On. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Got Your Ears On, Guido, along with Scoot and Johnson. Hey, don't forget, you can find us on the social medias. Look for us on Instagram, on Twitter, at Got Your Ears. We haven't been banned. We're still there. Or you can find us on Facebook, at Got Your Ears. Look for Got Your Ears On on there. We're also there, too, haven't gotten banned. So definitely check it out. Look for us on the social medias. Guys, it's time for Season 2 of Bluff the fluffs are you excited johnson i am as the reigning btf champion i am excited scoot puke yeah <laughs> well listen this year we're going to change it up we're going to do a couple of things different first of all and first and foremost so there's no more fighting or anything no more flipping of the coin whoever wins last week gets to go first the next week so that's how it's going to work all right all right. I, I like that. I thought you were going to make this kind of like one of those Japanese game shows where maybe Johnson, because he was last year's champion, has to play like uh, shirtless <laughs> doing jumping jacks. I mean, we are we are broadcasting on Twitch now every Sunday night. So I don't I mean, it, we could do that. I, I mean, the fans might like to see that. I mean, Scoot. for everyone's safety and myself and safety of retinas everywhere, I'm not going to ever do that. But here's how the points are going to work this year. So a little different. Final Bluff is now going to be worth 50 points, big time points. But when you get to go first every week, instead of getting the first question, you get to place a bet from zero to 20, how many points you can get if you get the question right. So for example, you're going to bet before you hear the question that you can get that question right in 10 points. And then- Scoot, you can say, no, 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 I can get it right for 15 points. And Johnson can say, okay, go ahead, Scoot, go for it. And then you get the question. So that's how it's going to work. You put your bets in for how many points you get. Okay. So because Johnson won the championship for last season, he gets to go first this week. 
He'll get the first question. I will let you guys know what the topic is. So you will know the topic. And the topic is the 2021 WVU men's basketball team so far. So that's the topic. Okay. So it's going to be questions about our current team and and up to this point in the season. Okay. All right. So, Johnson, first question goes to you. How many points do you think you can get? I'm going to throw out uh, 15 points. Oh, scoop. That's a mistake. Yeah, go for it because he's going to get that wrong. All right. So for Oh, and by the way, the other thing we didn't mention now that he's thrown out 15 points, if he gets the question wrong, Scoot, you get to steal it and you get double the points. So you would then get 30 points. Yeah. All right. I'm ready for it. So here you go. Feels bad. Johnson. Feels bad right right now. Johnson, first question is to you for 15 points. Who is the shortest player on the WVU basketball team right now? Is it? Jordan McCabe, Spencer Mackey, Miles McBride, or Sean McNeil? Ooh. So right off the bat, I was thinking Jordan. I'm trying to picture Spencer Mackey. I'm going to go Spencer Mackey. That's correct. For 15 points to start it off. That was Spencer tricky. Mackey. That's pretty He's tricky. Foot 11. Spencer Mackey's 5'11". Jordan McCabe's listed at 6 feet. Miles is 6'2", and, and Sean is 6'3". So okay. All right. Johnson gets 15 points for the question you bet on. Scoot, the next bet goes to you. How many points can you get? Uh, 20. Scoot's going to go straight for the 20. Johnson, you don't even get to try to steal that one back. 20 points, Scoot. This next question is to you. Who currently leads the team in three-point percentage with a five-shot minimum? So you take out Gabe Osaboyan, who's one for two, and you take out Kedrian Johnson, who's two for four. They're both shooting 50% from three. But with a five-shot minimum, who is leading with three-point percentages right now? Is it Sean McNeil, Miles McBride, Taz Sherman, or Jalen Bridges? Ooh, that's tough. Oh, that is tough. Oh... I want to say one answer, but it could be another one because it's a sneaky, sneaky answer. I am going to say Taz Sherman. Sorry, that's incorrect. Johnson, you get a chance to steal for 40 points right now. Is it Sean McNeil, Miles McBride, or Jalen Bridges? Well, I think I think volume works against the other names here, so I'm going to go out on a limb and say Jalen Bridges. Nobody gets any points. The correct answer is Miles McBride shooting 43% beyond the arc. Tess Sherman is second with 37%. Jalen is third at 35%. And Sean is shooting 34%. So there there you go, guys. Nobody gets any points right there. And uh, Johnson, the next bet is back to you. What do you think? Uh, 15 worked for me. I'm going to stick with 15 points. Scoot, what do you think? You're going to let him go for it? You're going to want 20. I'll do 20. All right. Scoot tries to steal it on you for 20 here. Scooty, who currently leads the team in free throw percentage? Minimum of five free throws. So we take out Jordan McCabe, who's currently four for four at 100%. Is it Derek Culver, Emmett Matthews, Taz Sherman, or Sean McNeil? Uh, Well... Uh, if we were on Sesame Street, one of these things doesn't belong here. One of these things isn't the same. <laughs> uh, that would be Derek Culver is not the same, does not belong there. Uh, no, okay. I'm going to say 
Taz Sherman. That's correct. For 20 points, Taz Sherman is currently shooting 89% from the free throw line. Wow. Emmett, Emmett Matthews is shooting 83. Sean McNeil is shooting 88%. Derek Culver is shooting 55. So uh, good call there, Scoot. Good call on that one. Process of elimination. Scoot gets 20 points right there and takes the lead over Johnson. And Scoot, this next bet is actually back to you. So, Scooty, what do you want to bet on this one? Uh, I'll go with 20 points. <laughs> All right, 20 points. Scooty, is, uh, he's brave on this. All right, Scoot, for 20 points, who currently leads the team with total points? Total points. Is it Taz Sherman, Sean McNeil, Miles McBride, or Derek Culver? It is Derek Culver. All right, Johnson, for 40 points and the steal. Wow, I'm surprised that that was not correct. Um, Yeah, this is tough. Ooh. Um, I want to say, so I, I'm debating Taz and Deuce. I think I'm going to go with Deuce. That's correct for 40 points. It is Miles McBride. Deuce has 196 points right now. Derek Culver has 179. Taz is at 161, and Sean's at 131. So, Johnson, you now take the lead 55 to 20 over Scoot. Scoot takes those big bets. It comes back to bite you, Scooty. Yeah, Scoot's rolling big every time. I'm not scared. This is why you don't go to the casino with Scooty. That's why you don't go to the casino with You'd, you'd be out of the casino in an hour. Listen, you guys don't go to the casino with me because I'm in the high rollers section. Oh, okay. <laughs> Play the nickel and dime machine. All right, Johnson, this next one's back to you. Do you want to make a bet? Uh, Yeah, I'm going to go. I'm actually going to go low this time. I'm going to go 10. I feel like we're now getting into the, the, the meteor questions. I'm going to go 10 points. All right, 10. Scoot, you're going to let him go for 10? 20. Scoot goes 20 again. Scoot's going to lose by 100 points. <laughs> All right, Scooty, let's see if you can answer this question. How many rebounds per game is Derek Culver currently averaging? Is it 9.8, 10.8, 12.1, or 8.3? It is 10.8. That's correct. Correct answer. 10.8 rebounds a game right now currently averaging a double-double, and Scooty goes... To 40 points. All right, Scoot, you're still down uh, 15 points, but don't forget, Final Bluff is worth 50 points this season. So, big change right there. Johnson, oh no, Scoot, this next uh, bet is back to you. What would you like to bet? I'm going to go 20. 20 points. All right, 20 again. So, this could either uh, make him or break him. Here we go, Scoot. Which of these players has had the most field goal attempts? Most times they've shot the ball. Most times they've attempted to get a field goal. Is it Jordan McCabe, Jalen Bridges, Isaiah Cottrell, or Gabe Osaboyan? Oh. Those off-the-bench guys. Those off-the-bench guys. Well, I know that, that Jalen's been getting more starting. Tricky, scoot. Tricky territory. So you said uh, Jordan McCabe. Who was the second guy you, you mentioned? Jordan McCabe, Jalen Bridges, Isaiah Cottrell, or Gabe Osaboyan, who has had of those guys who has had the most field goal attempts this Oy. season. Ooh. <laughs> I, I'm going to go Jalen Bridges. 
That is correct. Jalen Bridges has had the most field goal attempts of those three. Had he not had that big game, he would not. Yeah. I don't think. I think you're right. I think you're right. I think that Jordan McCabe is a, a close second to him, but yes. So uh, right now, Johnson, you are down by five going into final bluff. Scooty put it all on the line and came back to take the lead 60 to 55. But none of that matters because final bluff is worth 50 points. So you still have a chance to blow him out of the water. As we always have done, final bluff, you have to buzz in for. There's no bets. There's no nothing. You just buzz in. And every week we ask you guys what your buzzers are. Scoot, what's your buzzer this week? Banzai! Ah, Scoot's been, Scoot's been watching a little bit of the uh, Netflix this week, Cobra Kai, so can feel that coming coming out in that uh, that buzzer. Johnson, what do you got for a buzzer this week? Asaboyan. Asaboyan, which is kind of like the West Virginia version of Bonsai, I guess, in some ways. It could be. So Yeah. It could be. Kind of sounds like it. Like if we were tandem sky base jumping off the New River Gorge Bridge. With Coach Hugs and Tavon <laughs> Austin and a baby Bjorn. Isn't that what it was? <laughs> you would we, scream awesome boy yeah, on the way I down. Could, be like, I could, yes, before I threw my chute <laughs> and everything. Uh, I like it. All right, here we go. Final bluff, 50 points. Which of these does West Virginia University currently lead in the NCAA? Which of these stats do they lead in rebounds per game? Total rebounds for the season, defensive rebounds for the game, or offensive rebounds for game? Banzai! Scooty. That would be offensive rebounds per game. That's incorrect. Johnson, for 50 points and the first win of the year, is it rebounds per game, defensive rebounds per game, or total rebounds for the season? This is like three shades of the same color guido i don't know which to pick here i i'm gonna go i'm oh boy i'm gonna go defensive rebounds per game man scoot back to you to finish it off all right i'll finish it off it's rebounds total rebounds that's correct Total rebounds for the season, 537 total rebounds this season, leads the NCAA, and Scooty wins Season 1, Episode 1 of Bluff the Fluffs. Taking an early lead, Scoot. That's right. Uh, The script's not going to work this time, Guido. I uh, (laughs) didn't read it, and I threw it in my fireplace. Johnson, are you worried? Are you worried at this point? I am not. No, I'm still – it's a long – btf year and i think there's plenty of time yeah i think there's plenty of time too we just got to hone in on this new format yeah we got to work we got to maybe clean it up a little bit (laughs) we'll see what we do all right well listen let's take a break we're going to come back with a segment that we haven't done in a month because we're afraid of what it might be it's a little segment we like to call i can't believe my ears so don't go anywhere you're listening to got your ears on Tactical Legion Knives, a West Virginia-owned and operated company that specializes in heavy-duty tactical knives and gear for the professional warrior, the weekend warrior, and the outdoor warrior. Our products are built tough. For who? For warriors. 
Hey Mountaineer fans, make sure you go on Amazon and search Tactical Legion Knives. And when you do, make sure you put in the promo code 25TOBRADIO for Tob Radio. You'll get 25% off on Tactical Legion Knives. All right, everybody, welcome back to Got Your Ears On. Don't forget, check out our website and our merch section. You can find that at gotyourearson.com, right, Johnson? Yeah, that's right. So you can always find the latest blog post for the show, and we try to put all the show notes of stuff we talk about right in there. Um, And you can find all the links to listen to the show there. You can also listen to the latest show in the sidebar on the homepage or click the uh, link to the merch store, like you said, Guido, and uh, check out all the cool merch, including our uh, our pullover guy shirt that we that we put out there lately. Yeah. Pullover guy shirt. Definitely pick up one if you get a chance in our merch section at got your ears on dot com. A dollar of every shirt goes to the Norma Ray Huggins Foundation uh, and the Bob Huggins Fish Fry. So definitely check that out. All right, guys. Uh, we haven't done this in a month. I'm a little nervous. You know, we've had a lot to talk about, but this month we're going to let Scoot, uh, you know, go out on the internet, find something to talk about. It's a little segment we like to call, I can't believe my ears. Scoot, what do you got for us this week? Okay, a couple things, fellas. One, uh, this just a passing note, uh, this year's No Pants subway ride has been canceled, so you oh, will not be able to participate to in the No okay. Pants subway ride due to COVID, Shoot. Uh, which yeah. apparently happens my in- calendar. Some majors, yeah, just yeah. keep the pants on, take that off. Take it off the okay. calendar, keep the pants on. All right. Were um, they concerned that you could pass COVID not wearing pants or just I, having that many people on the subway? I would <laughs> say maybe yes. I don't know. I mean, as as we've all found out that the transmission of COVID seems to change as time changes. I don't know. I, I feel like uh, the only thing that uh, hasn't happened is I've not received COVID or was worried about receiving COVID while taking a shower. I don't, that's probably the only way that I've not worried about getting COVID. But the story I really want to talk to you guys about is parenthood. Okay. Okay. It feels heavy. We are all fathers on this show. Yes, we are. Correct. We all have two children, correct? Yes. Each of us. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Two little cherubs. What if I told you, uh, well, let me ask this. Would either of you consider having a third child? Negative. No, because then I've got to go from man to man to zone, and I don't want to do that. I mean, it's too much ground to cover. And, and, le- and let's be honest uh, with the three of us. The backwards math would not be in our favor right now because uh, we would all be uh, pushing that pushing that late retirement age trying to get kids out what of the if- house. So. What if I told you that there is a South Korean city that is paying residents to have babies? Okay. Would you okay. be in on that action? What if I told you it was $100,000? Okay. Nope. nope, not there. $100,000 not enough. I think if you do a quick total cost of ownership, 100k. Yeah, do, give us a cost analysis here, Johnson. <laughs> like that feels like it's not good. That immediacy of the number feels good, but if you step back <laughs> and apply some reality, I feel like you're shortchanging yourself. But Scoot, why are I mean, they? If doing... you have to, do you have to keep the kid? Like, wait, let's balance this out. Like, like yes, you have to keep it, the child. You can't just have it. Right, so if you have to keep away. the child, it's de- the hundred thousand is definitely not worth. Um, so, 100... like, because what you're saying, Guido, is like. They're fun to us. So, like, once they get to like eight or nine, you're just like, okay, 
No, I'm just doing now the. They, I'm, I'm, I still want my money, but. Right, I'm strictly doing the cost analysis part of it. I'm thinking that if they if they say, "Hey, have a kid, then give it to somebody else," that's worth a hundred thousand dollars. But have a kid and raise it and put it through college and all that. Whew, no way, man. You, well, I'm intrigued I'm close, to the rest. I'm closer of to this. like one point five for that one. You get, maybe one point five. I might be in, but I don't. Is this due to like underpopulation, Scoot, or what are we? Well, okay. Is that so even, here's the situation. Did I just make up a word too? I, like I don't know that I've ever under heard underpopulation. I don't know. Um. Well, here's the situation. Uh, here's the deal. Chang Wong. Chang Wong. I am 100% sure you're getting that wrong, but go ahead. <laughs> uh, the capital of the South Gyeongsang province oh, is combating the problem of declining no. population with financial no. incentives. Don't do that anymore. No, don't do that I anymore. pronounced it correctly. Um, but you were right, Johnson. Declining population issues. Okay. So. Here's the deal. If a couple gives birth to one child, the interest on the loan would be waived. If you have two children, 30% well, wait, of the wait. loan. Hold on. It's a loan? It's a, so wait, uh, they're listen, giving you money, but it's a loan? You start out with 100K. You're a new couple. But it's a loan. Yes. Mr. and Mrs. Guido move to Changwon, and they are all like given $100,000. So wait, that's a thing regardless yes that's a thing there yes oh you get 100k you get 100k now if you have one child the interest is forgiven two children 30 percent of the loan principal would be forgiven if you have three children the entire loan is forgiven or becomes a grant are you in first of all no i'm i'm out i'm out like seven different ways i'm out on that First of all, I'm not going to take on a loan to get a kid. Second of all, second of all, if I have one kid, they just give. I still have to pay back the loan. I still have to pay back the hundred thousand dollars. I just, I gotta, I, I just don't have the interest now. And then I have to have three kids in order to get rid of the loan. Three kids. Ah, I'm out. And the Changwanian officials <laughs> are concerned that the population could fall under one million people. Which is ridiculous because raise your hand if you knew Changwon was a place before right. tonight. Right, right. And they have over a million people. I just, What's the- I'm trying to, I'm still stuck on, I'm trying to get my head around just getting married gifts you this loan of 100000 And I can't decide if I like that or if I feel saddled with, a, I mean, I guess that is to promote success and getting your feet under you and getting started you know i get that and that i so that seems like a very cool thing but then this whole interest play and then to me it's sort of like oh we don't like you stevie you were just kid number three so we (laughs) could get off this loan you know like it feels like awkward let me ask you this we had you we had you so we didn't have to pay the loan back (laughs) we refer to you like the old 30 percenter or something would uh would you let's say you're hurting for cash okay we're in the middle of a pandemic right you've already got your two children that you've got right would you and the missus be willing to you know set up shop in changwon for a little bit have a couple children and then roll out. Yeah, that's not for me. Yeah, I don't think so. I, don't, I, think, I don't think so. I feel like Scoot. I feel like you're in on this. I feel like you're you're ready to get dubs <laughs> and pack the bags and move to Changwon. I mean, here's the thing though. Like, how many how many marriages do you think 
got off the ground because two people looked at each other and they were like how do you feel about how do you feel about 100k i don't know how do you feel about 100k it sounds pretty good yeah i think it yeah. sounds pretty good too so like what if you had triplets bam oh that's wow. the quick you way just, to do it right yeah, oh, wow. you just like lebron dunked on this whole process yeah you get just, it done at once like if you had Great. triplets like i would like to do that i think if i were let's say i were uh 22 years old i would maybe okay. look at some uh i don't know tricks of the trade or fertility or some kind of like crazy things to do well to or have if triplets. like twins like if twins ran in your family or something like that be- now what if you uh <laughs> let's say you uh have your two children would you be willing to try to disguise like a niece or a nephew or something as your child <laughs> in order to be forgiven for the loan Ooh. <sighs> This might not be a bad idea. How right? does that, so that get not, audited, yeah. though? I mean, that's what I, well, I don't know. Is there, like, te- is there a blood test involved? I mean, like, let's say, uh, would you be willing? Uh, I th- well, unfortunately, I think both of you guys are only children, correct? That's so it would have to be your right. wife's relatives. So right. let's say, I'll use me because I've got a bajillion siblings. So <laughs> let's say I have my two daughters which I do have, would I be willing to snatch up a niece or a nephew for a short period of time, maybe during the accounting phase of the cash flow, you know, loan repayment? I think, I mean, and then the question becomes which niece or nephew, Scoot? That gets, that's where it gets kind of rough. Well, and how long do this, I have to keep They're them? like a favorite. You got to, this f- seems so complicated. I feel like there's at least a year. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot that goes into this. This seems so complicated. And let's just add to the fact, Scoot, I mean, and I'm I'm going out on a limb here on this one, but I just have this feeling that you don't speak Korean. So I feel like that adds another problem. What about what about uh the couple that doesn't have any children, doesn't just wants this loan and borrows three of their relatives' kids? Or what if what what about the dude that gets married, has a kid? Gets a divorce, gets married, has some kids. Oh man! Gets a divorce, oh. gets ma- like he's oh. on his like third marriage. See, that's where I think you got to make a deal with a family member. You say, "Listen, I got this hundred k." I think that's where your swipe a niece or nephew starts to come into play. Like, is ten thousand dollars enough to get me a couple of family photos with my niece? <laughs> like, is that enough to like? Do you have to submit photos? Is it like a visa process? This seems like a recipe for this is, re- disastrous drama in South yeah, Korea. Seems rough. I don't know if I like rough. this policy or not. I mean, could you imagine if they did this in New in New Martinsville? Like, what would you what would you do, Scoot? Would you have another kid? <sighs> oh man. <laughs> well, let me ask. Okay, not to be morbid, but right. Let's say I'm older, right? You are. You are older. I'm not. I mean, yeah. I'm not to that point, but let's say reality. Let's talk reality here and say that by the okay. time that kid got out of college, you'd be pushing 70. Okay. So the 100K is probably going to be spent by me before I have to really worry about spending all the rest of the cash on that kid. So maybe it's worth your while. So what you're saying is the first two kids, the first two kids you take care of, this third kid would be out on his own. Right. Correct. But good luck. Correct. <laughs> Correct, but I'd get my 100K. But you get your 100K, so, you know, season tickets for everybody. Uh, so, <laughs> thanks, Scoot, for 
going out on the internet and finding something that I'm not sure anybody else. I feel read. like this is questionable policy. Scheme. I'm just saying, Big Jim should Big Jim should call him because I mean, West Virginia's got a declining population. Yeah, this yes. might not be a bad idea. That's a good idea, Guido. I mean, bring people into the WV. Yeah. Sponsor some. Yes. Give them a loan. Some policy yes. like this. I think the money would go a long way. We should probably wrap it up for the week. Uh, we appreciate everybody listening. Thanks for all the downloads. Don't forget to tell all your friends to listen, like, and subscribe. And uh, find us on the Instagram, on the Twitter, on the Facebook at Got Your Ears. Saturday, we play back in the Coliseum against TCU. And that game is on everybody's favorite, ESPN Plus, Ooh. where we'll see. Who does the play-by-play? They may find somebody out of the stands to do it this time. (laughs) You never know. True. Scoot, you might get a phone call. You might be doing some play-by-play for ESPN+. I I could do it from from the studio here. The ESPN Plus games give you two things. They give you, you don't know, you're going to have like either an old baseball announcer or somebody you haven't seen in like 25 years call a game, and you're going to have Amanda Maisie asking at least three or four questions to Hugs at halftime just to make you feel a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah, and so. and possibly a third uh, Eye of Sauron technology, as I like to call it, where they've placed <laughs> yeah. like a Zoom cam webcam up in the rafters someplace, and that's your camera angle. That's the other yes. thing. Yeah, so that's TCU on Saturday at 2 p.m. in the Coliseum on Big 12 Now ESPN+. Plus. All right, guys, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another show talking about those games and much, much more. We'll see you guys next week. You've been listening to Got Your Ears On.